All right, I got a message for you. We'll get rolling here. Um, we're in a series um, called Prepare the Way, and we've kind of been um, dovetailing with uh, the season of uh, Advent here. Of course, Advent is just a way to prepare our hearts for the season of Christmas. And really, this is just a memory thing, just to help us remember what Jesus did for us. And um, so the first week, this is our third weekend. The first week, I preached the message um, on hope called um, Healing from Our Yesterday, Hope for Our Tomorrow. Um, last week, I did a message on peace called um, Perpetual Peace, how to, how to have perpetual peace in our lives. And um, this week, I'm going to talk about joy. Woo! Joy, come on. Um, so the title of my message is Fat and Happy or Lean and Mean. Are you fat and happy or are you lean and mean? All right? This is going to make sense in a minute. All right, go ahead and put up that first picture that I... That I had for you. Okay, so, so I saw someone posted this on Facebook the other day. How do you like your steak? Rare, medium, you know, medium rare, medium, unfriend or block, you know, that's. So let's take a little, we'll take a little survey here. How many, how many are, are your rare people? Okay, I have a low percentage, but I like rare, I'm a, I'm a, and I like medium rare. How many like medium rare? Okay, I'd say, okay, that's quite a few people. Now, how many are in the medium range? Okay, that's pretty <laughs> even there. Uh, how many like it um, medium well? Okay. I won't unfriend you, don't worry. How many, how many are well done people? Okay, about as many as like rare, okay. And I won't be blocking you either. But listen, when I, before, I, before I was uh, um, a pastor, I was a meat cutter for, for eight years. And um, I actually had this rule that I would not marry a girl who was a vegetarian. I was like, I'm a meat cutter. This is like who I am. And I cannot be with some vegetarian girl. In fact, if I liked a girl, I would actually try to convert her to like being a meat eater. You know, I was like, this is my religion, meat eating. And I need to convert you so that we, you know, so that we, so this relationship can go forward. So, but um, I met Emily. She likes meat. She likes the, you know, good medium, medium rare steak. So it all worked. It all worked out there. But but honestly, even, even, if, even if there's a girl that is like, not a vegetarian, but a staunch, like, well-done person, that would have, that would have, I think that would have strained the relationship a little bit. But you know, as a meat cutter, you got to like meat. But this all makes sense in a minute. But um, today I want to talk about creating a foundation in our life, um, a foundation that will sustain joy in our lives, Okay. And we want to be fat and happy, not lean and mean, okay? I want to help us build a foundation that will sustain joy. If you don't have um, a correct foundation in your life for joy, you will have moments of joy. You'll have um, spurts of joy, moments of joy, but you'll have nothing for joy to remain on forever, okay? And sometimes, um, you know, we pray for people, to, you know, they're feeling down or whatever, and like, just, God, we release joy, we pray joy over people. And God certainly can give and does give supernatural joy, and I've received joy that way, where it's like, just the Spirit of the Lord is in the room, and He falls on you, and like, there's just this abundance and overflow of joy. Anyone ever experienced that? Right? And then sometimes you pray for people, and you're like, joy, and they're like, I don't feel anything, you know, I'm not, I'm not getting anything. Well, God can can fall on people and release joy over them. But sometimes people's view or their, or their theology, for lack of a better term, is built in such a way that even when God releases joy over them, there's nothing there to, to maintain that joy. I'll give you an example. Romans um, 5.5, 5, 
it says that God's love has been um, shed in our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom is given to us, okay? But with some people's um, capacity for God's love and their theology is like a bucket with a hole in it. God pours his love into it. He pours his joy into us. But it's like a bucket with a hole in it, and it just goes right out the bottom. And, and there's nothing to maintain and keep and retain that joy that God wants us to have all the time. And so I want to talk today about how to build a foundation for joy. And some people, um, you know, in the kingdom, uh, joy is an important deal. Joy is an important thing in the kingdom. Some people are like, is this whole joy thing important? Aren't we supposed to come to church and be somber and do our penance for the week? No. Joy is, is supposed to be part of the kingdom, is joy, Okay. And so I'll say this, there's a direct correlation between being a joyful person and being spiritually strong. There's a direct correlation between being a joyful person and being spiritually strong. And I don't say that to condemn, condemn anyone who um, you're in a, either a season of where you're not experiencing joy or, or maybe you're just in a life that you haven't um, had much joy at all. I'm not saying that to condemn anyone. I'm just saying I want to help you. I want to help you build this foundation that joy remains and joy maintains. If you show me a Christian with great joy, show me a Christian with great joy, I'll show you a Christian who is exercising great spiritual strength in their life, okay? We need to, we need to realize that joy is serious business. We need to, if we want to be spiritually strong, we have to have joy in our lives, okay? All right, so I'm going to read uh, Nehemiah chapter um, 810. Now, if you, if you Google this verse... Which is this, by the way. I'll read part of the verse, actually. Nehemiah 8.10, it says, For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Very, very uh, famous, popular verse. If you Google, um, you know, I was looking for it, Joy of the Lord is my strength. You, you know it's a uh, popular verse if you get, like, songs, books, decals, refrigerator magnets that, like, pop up before you actually can find the, the actual scripture reference, you know? And this is one of those verses. It's like, yeah, the joy of the Lord is our strength. We put it on our refrigerator, you know. Um, we have decals and whatever, decorations in our house. But it's kind of, um, in the context of the scripture, it's kind of a, it's kind of a goofy um, scripture that it's part of. And so I'll go ahead and put up um, Nehemiah 8.10, the whole, the whole context. This is in the NIV. Nehemiah said, enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing. This is a sacred day to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. All right, let's look at it in the King James Version. I like this even better. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat. Everyone say, eat the fat. Eat the fat. Listen, don't be cutting all the fat off your steaks, all right? It drives me crazy when I go to eat someone, and they like dissect their steak, and half of it's still there. Listen, eat the fat. It's okay. Eat the fat. Drink your sweet drink. Okay. Send portions to those whom nothing is prepared for this day is holy to the Lord. Do not sorrow for the joy of the Lord is your strength. All right. The, the interesting thing, I'm not, this is not my, like, I'm not trying to make everyone meat eaters up here, but <laughs> the interesting thing about the book of Nehemiah is Nehemiah and Ezra, they're actually the same book at first and they eventually split because they're about the same thing. They're both stories about the restoration of Israel and, and the, uh, the children of Israel returning to their promised land. Um, just give you a little background on this. Um, because of Israel's um, stupidity, I don't know, I have any better way to say it, their stupidity of worshiping um, false gods, they did this for 400, they worshiped false gods for 490 years. Like, that is a huge amount of time, right? Worship false gods. And they were, according to the law, they were supposed to 
um, let the land rest. Every seven years, the land was actually supposed to have a Sabbath and a, and a, a year of rest every seven years. They didn't do this for um, 490 years. I'm sorry, I might have said differently. 490 years, they didn't do this. And so when, when God finally decided to bring correction to them and, and judgment, essentially, um, they had to go into exile for 70 years. So, so for every, every um, Sabbath year that the land missed, they went off to exile so the land could rest for seven years. They had to make up for all those Sabbath years that the land missed. Um, so 586 BC, the temple's destroyed. Exile started before that. 586 BC, temple destroyed. In 538 BC, the exile officially ends. They're able to go back to their homeland, okay? But even after the exile ends and the temple is rebuilt, the, the walls in Jerusalem remained um, broken down and not built for another 94 years. So the temple's built, they're returned to their homeland, but for 94 years, they couldn't get these walls built because people kept raiding them and, and tearing them down. The work that they do would be torn down. So for nine, almost 100 years, they couldn't get this job done. Nehemiah hears about this. He's distressed and he gets sent from, um, the, the king of Persia gets sent in um, to, with a decree to build the wall. And Nehemiah does in 52 days what they couldn't do in the previous 100 years, okay? Now the reason why in, in, in those days, the reason why a wall was so important to ancient cities, walls were very important to ancient cities, they were important because the city's strength could be measured by the strength of the wall around it. Okay, so they, had, they literally had no strength because they didn't have a wall around them, okay? <clears throat> For the believer, it's different, okay? Our strength can be measured by the wall of joy that we have around us, okay? Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. There is supposed to be a wall a fortress of joy around us. Our strength, spiritually speaking, can be measured literally by the, by the wall of joy that we have around us. And so I feel like today there are some people here, I want to help you rebuild this wall of joy in your life. And I believe God has some stuff for us today to rebuild the wall of joy in our life, okay? God wants to restore you today. All right. The reason why Nehemiah told them, check this out, to eat choice food and eat sweet drinks is because they, Nehemiah comes in, 52 days later, they build the wall, it's built, and then someone finds a copy of the Bible, all right? Now, it's not exactly the Bible that we have. It was more of the law of Moses. Ours is, has more history that theirs didn't have. They find a copy of the Bible, and, and then they decide, we're going to read this Bible. So Ezra gets up in front of everyone on a, on a big wooden platform, much like this one, very high and lofty above <laughs> all of the <laughs> low people. Um, Ezra gets up, and Ezra begins to read the Bible. Okay, these people have never heard the Bible. They haven't served God for 490 years plus the time they were in exile, okay? They've never heard the Bible. They don't know anything about the Bible. And they start hearing, oh my gosh, we have failed miserably. We have missed the mark miserably in so many ways. And so they start to weep and they start to mourn, right? Which I guess I would too if I realized that all my ancestors for the whole, my whole life, we've never served God. These are the decrees he had for us. Oh my gosh, this is why we were sent to exile, Right? Nehemiah stops and he says, okay, wait, 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 wait. There, there's going to be a time for weeping. There'll be time for mourning. There'll be time for repenting. But today is going to be a day of celebration. Don't weep. Don't cry. You'll repent later. Today needs to be a celebration, okay? What I want to say about this, what the point I want to make with this is, it's impossible to have and experience the joy of the Lord when you are fully aware of your, all of your inadequacies, okay? In that moment, they couldn't experience the joy of the Lord when they just had this heightened understanding of awareness of all their inadequacies, all their failures. Nehemiah said, okay, we'll deal with that someday. Today, 
let's eat, let's eat and drink and let's party, okay? So the remedy for them at that time, it looked like eating good food, eating the fat, amen, uh, drinking sweet drinks, partying a little bit. What about for us? What about for the Christian? What does it look like to live in such a way that we're not weighed and bogged down, that we have the joy of the Lord as our strength? For us, the Christian is instead of feasting on food and feasting on sweet drinks, we are supposed to feast on the finished work of the cross. We're supposed to feast and dine and, and know and enjoy all Jesus has accomplished for us. This is why it's so important for us to understand what he has done for us, what he's accomplished for us. When we feast on the finished work of the cross, understand what he's accomplished for you, that is a place where you can sustain the joy of the Lord. Okay, all right. So let me, let me read this scripture. It's John chapter 6, uh, 655 through 57. This is a portion of scripture where like Jesus' ministry, he lost some people, okay? Like he lost some people here because they were following him and they didn't understand this. But he said this, my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. We, see, we of course, see this as a foreshadowing of, of the Holy Communion. Verse 56, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as the living father sent me and I live because of my father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. Okay. Um, again, they didn't understand what happened here. So Jesus lost some disciples. People turned back at this point. But Jesus is saying, if you, if you um, feed on me, if you feed on the, the life that I'm providing for you, you're going to have life flowing through you, okay, if you feed on me. So feasting on Christ's finished work of the cross leads to a life of joy, okay? Feasting and understanding all he's done, on, done for you will lead for a life of joy. And I believe this is why some people aren't sustaining joy. They're having moments of joy, but they're not sustaining joy because they're not feasting on the finished work of the cross, not understanding and enjoying all God has done for them, okay? So we want to be fat and happy, right? We want to rest in his finished work. We don't want to be lean and mean, resting in or, 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 or trying to strive in our own performance, okay? And we're all susceptible to this at times, falling into performance-based Christianity. Okay, so how do we be fat and happy? All right, we're going to talk about that. How do we be fat and happy? We're going to turn to Romans 14, Kind of the main text here will we'll come out of this. In Romans 14, Paul explains in this chapter, he says that there's this debate of like, you know, what, what food should I be able to eat? What, what can we drink? And, and people, for different reasons, their conscience sake is saying, I shouldn't eat this, I shouldn't drink this. And Paul's trying to address some of these questions um, that they're having. So he says this, um, accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. So all this stuff, he's, this is all disputable matters. It's not a big deal. One man's faith allows him to eat everything, but another man's faith who's weak eats only vegetables. Can I get an amen from all the meat eaters there? Okay. <laughs> if, if your faith is weak, I'm, I'm just kidding. Again, it's for conscience sake. It's for conscience sake. It's not. Okay, verse, uh, let's jump down to verse three. The man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not. Okay, so I'm not going to look down on anyone else. Okay, the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does. So don't condemn me, okay? All right. For God has accepted him. Okay, jump down to verse 14. As the one who trusts in the Lord, I am fully convinced that no food is unclean in and of itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, for him it is unclean. Okay. For example, like, I don't, the Bible doesn't forbid drinking of alcohol. It forbids drunkenness, right? But for some people, their conscience says, I, I shouldn't drink because of my conscience. Now, for you, if it's wrong, then it's wrong, okay? Drunkenness is wrong, period. But if for you, your conscience says, I shouldn't drink, then don't drink, all right? Verse 15, if your brother is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy your brother for whom Christ died. Okay, 
jump down to verse 14. And this is, this is kind of what we're going after here. Verse, uh, verse 17, sorry. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Basically what Paul's saying here, the kingdom of heaven, it's not a matter of what you eat or what you drink, what you, what you do and don't do. It's not a matter of the external. It's a matter of what's going on here in your heart, right? God, God, the kingdom of God, God cares about your heart, what's going on in your heart. From the heart flow the issues of life. Okay, now that we're caught up on te- uh, context, let me talk about this a little bit. <clears throat> I've heard this preached this way, and it, I don't think it's wrong. Um, I actually agree with it, and maybe some of you have heard this preached this way, but when people read this verse, they'll say, okay, the kingdom of, of God is not a matter of eating, drinking, it's righteous, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So they'll say, okay, the kingdom is a third righteousness, it's one-third peace, and one-third joy. That's the kingdom. I don't think that's wrong. I don't have a problem with that, but I want to I wanna like go at this from a slightly different angle, okay? Today, I want to propose to you <clears throat> that righteousness, peace, and joy are actually stacked upon one another, okay? Because you are righteous, you can have peace with God. And because you have peace with God, joy becomes possible, you will never sustain joy in your life if you don't know that you're at peace with God. If you wake up in the morning, you're, does he love me? Does he love me not? Am I forgiven? Am I forgiven not? Oh, that thing I did yesterday. If you have that question, is there something between us? Is there sin between us? Did I not do good enough to not perform? Did I not, oh my gosh, did I not steward this well? You have something between you. You're not having peace with God. You can never sustain joy there. You might have moments of joy in your life. You will never have sustained joy if you're constantly asking that question, am I righteous? Do I have peace with God? So it's righteousness, peace, and the overflow, the natural overflow is joy. I'm going to talk about righteousness for just a few minutes because this is the foundation. Righteousness is the foundation for peace, and peace is the foundation for joy, okay? What is righteousness? Let's break this down. Okay, go ahead and put that up. What is righteousness? It is what is right, just, the act of doing what is in agreement with God's standards, the state of being in proper relationship with God. Easy enough, right? No? <laughs> All right, so here's the problem. Here's the problem with that. This is impossible in and of ourselves. Because none of us live righteous and do the right thing all the time, amen? None of us live up to God's standards all the time. None of us always do what's just, right? And there's no way we could possibly bring ourselves into right relationship with God in and of ourselves, okay? Let me give you a verse for that. Romans three ten through 12. As it is written, there is no one righteous... No, not one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have altogether become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Okay, we're all in that same boat. From Mother Teresa to Charlie Sheen, right? (laughs) Mother Teresa, Charlie Sheen, they're in the same boat. The example I like to give is if you came up to the Grand Canyon and you thought, I'm going to jump over the Grand Canyon. That was the standard of perfection. The world record holder would make it like 29 feet, four inches and one quarter, right? Someone, you know, some would make it further than others, but no one would make it the whole way. We would all miserably fail. We're all miserably inadequate from God's standards, okay? Mother Teresa, Charlie Sheen, you, me, the whole world, we all failed, okay? We all messed up, okay? So... There is a righteousness. There's only one type of righteousness. There's only one type of righteousness. It's God's righteousness. In the whole world, there's no such thing as this person's righteousness, that person, oh, they have righteousness. There's only one righteousness. It's God's righteousness, okay? 
But it just so happens that he makes his righteousness available to us, that we could be counted righteous, okay? Let me read Romans 3, 21 through 24. And I want you to tell me whose righteousness we're talking about here. Whose righteousness is this? Um, But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God. Whose righteousness is it? Right, it's God's. The righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness, which righteousness? God's righteousness, is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Okay? So there's only one righteousness. It's God's righteousness. But he can give it away to whoever he wants. He can give it away as a gift to those who place their faith and trust in Jesus. Now hear this part. It even gets a little bit better than that. And you need to know this if you want to have sustained joy and peace in your life. He not only gives us his righteousness, it becomes who we are. It becomes our identity. Righteousness isn't just something like, well, when God sees me, he sees Jesus because, you know, it's like Jesus, you know, he sees Christ in me. Listen, he sees you as righteous because it became you. Your identity switched when you Put your faith and trust in Jesus. You have a new identity, okay? Let me read, let me read this verse for you. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. It says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen? We might become the righteousness of God. If you're a Christian, you've become the righteousness of God. It's not just something he like, in a weird way, kind of looks around your sin. Like, no, you, he sees righteousness. You've become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Okay, so there's only one, right, one type of righteousness. It's God's righteousness, but he can give it away to whoever he wants. And he became what we were so that we could become what he is. All right, let me say that again. He became, Jesus became what we were, sinners, so that we could become what he is, which is sons and daughters of the most high God, righteous and holy and blameless in his sight, Okay. If you, don't, if you don't get that foundation, you will never, ever, ever have sustained peace with God. You will, you'll wake up in the morning and not sure if we're good, are we good today, you know, you'll never have sustained peace and you can't have sustained joy. Impossible, okay? You have to get this. There cannot be peace because you're going to be in performance Christianity. You're going to be trying to repent, be good enough. Oh, no, uh, no, I messed up. Oh, I messed up. You're trying to be good enough. We don't want to be Lean and mean. We want to be fat and happy. We want to enjoy the finished work of the cross, all Jesus has done for us. Amen? What if I had a bad day? What if my car broke? What if my kids were out of control? What if I cut someone off? What if my car got repoed? Righteous, 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 righteous. Amen? I don't have a problem if my dog runs away. I don't get angry at the bills I have to pay. I don't get angry if my mom smokes pot. <laughs> Hits the bottle and goes back to the rock. Okay, I grew up in the <laughs> I grew up in the eighties, nineties. That's a song for those of you who don't know. Okay, <laughs> righteous, righteous, righteous. By the way, my mom doesn't smoke pot or <laughs> or hit the rock. But you're righteous, okay? That's a righteous song right there. <laughs> I kind of have a problem with some Christian music because it's like, this is my time for a rant, pause, sermon, rant. Um, it's like, I understand people mean well and they want to be humble, but it's like, you know, God, I'm such a worthless piece of junk, but you love me anyway. You know what I mean? It's like, no, he, 
loves you profusely. He came to this earth. He doesn't even want you to look at yourself that way anymore because he's not. So you stop it. Stop it. Okay? Stop looking at yourself that way. He doesn't want you to look that way anymore. Okay? Okay. So when we have righteousness, we understand righteousness. Now listen, you're righteous in his sight. Whether you, if you believe in Jesus, your faith and trust is in him, you are righteous. You're just probably better off believing the Bible and, and having a better day, right? Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to give you that free. If you want peace, you got to have that. Okay, that's righteous. Let me touch on peace real quick. I preached about peace last week, so I don't need to go too deep here. But let me say this. Peace, I said this last week. Peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is the presence of a person. Okay, peace is not the absence, like, as soon as I get all my ducks in a row, my life will be great, then I'll have peace. No, peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is the presence of a person. It's the presence of being one and connected to the Prince of Peace. Okay, and, and he releases, actually can release peace in our lives, and, and things are better. But first and foremost, it's in here, right? The Prince of Peace is in here. Even when your kids are messed up, or when your car breaks down, or your dog runs away. Okay. All right, so that's peace. All right, what about joy? Listen, where peace of God exists, joy actually becomes a natural overflow. If you have, understand this righteousness, foundation him, peace becomes there. Joy is the next natural outflow from your life. You're gonna manifest joy, and you won't just have moments of joy and moments of peace. You will have an abundance and an overflow of it, okay? Happiness is based upon what happens, but joy is a fruit of being connected to him. It's a, joy, it's a fruit of being connected. It's a fruit of the Spirit, okay? The Bible says that Jesus, I love this, Jesus was anointed with the oil of joy above all of his companions. In other words, he's the happiest person you'll ever meet. Jesus is the most joy-filled person you will ever encounter in all of eternity. Some people have this kind of like sourpuss like view of Jesus that he's just a big, older, angry brother up there mad at you all the time, Right? Listen, he's not like that. He's, he's joy-filled. He's happy. Jesus is happy. He's anointed with the oil of joy above all of his companions. You want to be like Jesus? Huh? You want to be like God? Be, let joy manifest in your life, okay? Listen, it's not based upon the circumstances. It's not based upon how good you did that day. It's based upon him bringing you into right relationship with him. So peace exists. So joy is evident, okay? That's good. It's not like he loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. It's, he loves me. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. Every time. You're righteous. You're righteous. You're righteous. Every single time. Amen. Guys, this is the Bible. This is the Bible. And some of you have heard preaching like this before. And some of you, if you've never heard this, you've got to get in you. And thus, uh, thus uh, those of us who have heard it before, man, we got we to gotta keep it in us. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to conclude here. Romans, again, we'll read this verse. Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. It's not an external thing. It's not eating and drinking. It's not getting your ducks in a row. It's not when everything's working out in your life. Your car's running good. Your bills are paid. No. It's not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy. But it's in the Holy Ghost. It's in the Holy Spirit, okay? The kingdom is in the Holy Spirit. How many um, know that another name for the Holy Spirit is the comforter, right? You guys heard this, Holy Spirit is our comforter. Interesting thing about, um, we read out of Nehemiah here just a few minutes ago, but Nehemiah, um, the, the name Nehemiah means comforter. Okay, so what they couldn't do in almost 100 years when the comforter came, they did in 52 days, right? And I just feel like that's a prophetic picture for us today. 
what maybe you couldn't do your entire life or you have seasons of joy, maybe you can never do. I just want to, I'm going to believe today that the comforter is going to come and he's going to do it in a moment today here and sustain joy in your life, which you can accomplish your entire life. So why don't you guys stand on your feet this morning? <clears throat> and let's rebuild this wall of joy. Let's rebuild this wall of joy around us. <laughs> I'm going to come down here. I just feel so awkward up here. <laughs> All right. Father, I, I thank you, God, for every individual in this room, Lord God. God, joy is not just something for super Christians. God, joy is our inheritance, Lord. I just declare over you, joy is your inheritance. It is who you were created in Christ Jesus to be, to have righteousness, to maintain peace, and to have an overflow of joy. And I just speak joy over you right now. And when the storms come, I say joy over you right now. And when the problems come, I say joy over you right now. I just say you're on a foundation, a kingdom that cannot be shaken. God, we thank you that your kingdom cannot be shaken, Lord God. And the kingdom of heaven is righteous, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And that kingdom can never be shaken. No matter what happens here on earth, no matter what happens in our life, the kingdom of God cannot be shaken. I just pray over every individual here, Lord God, that we'd have the kingdom in such operation in our lives, Lord God that joy would be unshakable, that peace with you, God, would be unshakable, Lord. And I just pray for those here that they've gone through a season of, of no joy or maybe they've never had joy in their whole life, Lord God, I pray you would build the wall, God, build the wall of joy around them, build the fortress of joy around them, Lord God. And I just release that, God, over everyone here this morning, God. We, we, God, we feast on the finished work of the cross, God. We rest in the life that you provided for us. We feast on that, Lord God. And from that place, God, we live from heaven to earth, God. From that revelation, we live from heaven to earth, Lord God. From being sons and daughters to overcomers here on earth, Lord God. So I just release that over everyone this morning. Yeah, in Jesus' name, amen. Listen.